Good morning, everyone. Uh, happy Fourth of July weekend to you all, and a welcome to any of you who might be visiting, maybe visiting family from out of town, and have come to see us. Most of my priest friends for this weekend, we were together uh, last night, and we kind of ask each other, well, what are you preaching about? And most of them either choose, you know, I stuck to the readings and the gospel, or, or the other ones kind of say, well, you know, I, I'm really going to preach about the 4th of July. And you all know me, I choose all. So, <laughs> sorry, but not really. I want to tell you a story. When I was um, in World Youth Day in Spain uh, about five years ago, a friend of mine was over there. Uh, some of you know him, a friend of mine named Steve. And Steve is this kind of famous story that he told about uh, his time there that's uh, in our kind of group of friends. Everyone knows the story. But anyway, Steve was in, in Spain, and he was talking to a guy from France. And he spoke English, and Steve kind of thought, well, this is fun. It's fun to talk to someone from France. And he somehow got on the subject of kind of stereotypes of other nations. And he said, you know, when we think of people from France and America, you know, we kind of think of them as kind of snobby and, you know, we kind of go, ho, ho, wee, <laughs> wee. Oui, oui. And uh, he said, well, what about you f- people in France? What do you think of Americans? And before I tell you what he said, I just want you to think about that for a second. And this was kind of a very lighthearted conversation and not very serious at all, but what would you want another country to think about us? If, if we could have the, the world look at America and say, you know, what characterizes America, what would we want them to say? Well, anyway, so they're very lighthearted, but the, the guy kind of thought for a second, he turned to Steve and he said, well, you know, when we talk about Americans or if we imitate them, we just go... Rah, 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 rah. <laughs> At the last mass, one of the little kids started doing it with me. It's hilarious. But anyway, he's like, because Americans are so loud. That's what they sound like. You know, they go through these public spaces like, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> Not the best reputation, right? Well, listen to this. When America, in earlier centuries, in the 19th century, there was a very famous French aristocrat who came to the United States, and he wrote a very famous book called Democracy in America. His name was Alexis de Tocqueville. And if you study political philosophy today, his writings are absolutely central for understanding political philosophy in the United States. But de Tocqueville says this. This was the reputation of the United States in that time. He says, the travelers who have visited North America differ on a great number of points They all agree in remarking that morals are far more strict there than anywhere else. America had a reputation for being an incredibly disciplined and virtuous place. And that was our reputation in Europe. That if you go to the United States, people work unbelievably hard They're honest. They live moral lives. A number of these people talk about how Americans are unbelievably religious. They all go to church. They all believe in God. 
I don't think the world would say that today. And I don't think that's our reputation. And the point I want to make today, brothers and sisters, is that we, we love this word in America. It's a Fourth of July weekend, and then the, that word that we just all treasure so much is that word freedom. And what I want to impress on you today is that freedom is not something that can merely be created by government institutions. Our Constitution, our Bill of Rights, our government, I think, are amazing. And they're tremendous gifts. But the founding fathers of our country understood that freedom could not be created simply by that. To be a free country demands that the people of a, of a nation have a certain kind of character. They have to be a certain kind of, of people, men and women who live virtuous lives. Let me quote two of our founding fathers of this country. Benjamin Franklin says this. He says, only a virtuous people are capable of freedom. Hear that again. Only a virtuous people are capable of freedom. As nations become more corrupt and vicious, they have more and more need of masters. Another way of saying this is when, when, when people aren't good, brothers and sisters, law multiplies. I always saw this in the seminary. When I was in seminary, when, when things go smoothly and when the guys in seminary are behaving the way they should be, you know, future priests, which that's a whole other homily, they don't, things go smoothly. We don't need a lot of laws. But when things go poorly, law multiplies. Right, we, always, we always joke, when, when guys are showing up late, we don't have to have like rules about guys getting a holy hour five minutes early until guys start coming ten minutes late. Because people lived it naturally. Freedom really depends on a virtuous people. Patrick Henry says this, Bad men cannot make good citizens. Right? It's what's more important than good laws. You and I, we worry so much, and it's good. It's important that we have good laws. They matter. They do matter. But you know what's even more important? is whether or not you and I are good. If our nation has a character of men and women who are honest and hardworking and virtuous, that is what will make our country great. Not a decision by the Supreme Court. As important as that is. So Patrick Henry says, bad men cannot make good citizens. No free government or the blessings of liberty can be preserved to any people but by a firm adherence to justice, moderation, temperance, frugality, and virtue. As a people's character goes, so goes a nation. Freedom is not something that our government can give us. It can do certain things. It does certain things really well that help. Think of it this way. A country's made up of people. I remember when you were like a teenager and you wanted freedom? And your parents are like, you know, when you started driving and we were all scared, I have this a little bit. Like some of our like, kids grow up and they're like on the road and I'm like, oh my gosh, 
I'm t definitely never driving again. We don't give teenagers as much freedom because they haven't been disciplined yet. They haven't grown in maturity, in wisdom. We think of freedom so much in the modern world as the ability to do what we want to do. In Western civilization, from the time of the Greeks all the way to the founding of this country, an attitude that says, I get to do whatever I want without responsibility, that's not called freedom. It's called license. And it's a counterfeit. It's a false image of freedom. Or think of someone, have you ever met someone in their life who always does whatever they want to do? They're not disciplined. They haven't learned how to humble themselves and to have virtue, and they just do whatever they want to do. Have you ever met someone like that? I, I never look at people like that and say, that is a really free person. I usually say, that is a spoiled brat. Isn't it true? <laughs> this means yes, this means no. That's the truth. And so, brothers and sisters, the simple point I want to make today is that freedom, there are no shortcuts to it. There's no shortcut to freedom. The way a nation really has authentic freedom is only by entering into discipline, by becoming virtuous. There's a, there's a book I love on the Exodus, and it's called Bound for Freedom. And the author, it's a, it's a, I think he's Swedish, Goran Larsson. And in his introduction to his book, he says he intentionally chose that title to be ambiguous with a double meaning. Because bound for freedom, right, it means that the, the obvious kind of read of that would be, yeah, the, the Jews are on their way out of slavery and they're, on, they're bound, they're on their way somewhere for freedom. But he says the biblical understanding also is that you will never be free unless you are bound by the law. If you want to raise a child, right, to grow up to be mature and wise and make healthy and prudent decisions, you bind him with discipline. And I think today, so many of the problems in our country, brothers and sisters, the problem with our country in so many ways today is that we want freedom without being bound. We want a shortcut. We want to do what we want to do without a moral compass, without discipline, without going through the necessary steps to become mature, wise, and faithful. And the founding fathers of this country knew that you couldn't do that. Don't you love shortcuts? One of the things I've learned over the years is one of the best fringe benefits to becoming a priest is avoiding traffic. It really is. Like, so I, my commute to, to St. Mass is a two-minute walk across the grounds. It's awesome. Right? It's like so great. And in my office, it's even better because what I do, my office, when I commute to my office in the mornings, I get my cup of coffee and I walk through a door and shut it. And that's my commute. It's awesome. Right? And then people come in and they meet me and they're like, oh my gosh, traffic was terrible. And I'm like, yeah, it stinks to be you. Uh, <laughs> it's got to be rough. But we always want shortcuts. Now, and so today when I drive, I'll get on I-25, and I don't know how you guys do it. I really don't. I get on I-25, and I'm just like, I hate Californians. Why are they all moving here? 
I thought I-25 was a highway, not a parking lot. And you just sit on I-25, right? And I'm like, and then that's why you all come to me and you confess anger and road rage. Because you just sit on I-25 for most of your lives going, okay, I'll move to the left lane. Okay, left lane stops. I'll move to the right lane. <laughs> Never works. But here's the point. Whenever I'm in that spot, when I'm on I-25 and I'm going somewhere, there's always the same thought pops into my head. There has to be a shortcut. Right? There's got to be a shortcut. There's got to be a way around this traffic jam. And I don't know if you do this, but my mind's always racing. I'm like, okay, if I get off at, you know, or like Santa Fe, like I'm, I'm on Santa Fe getting on I-25, I'm like, okay, that on-ramp is always insane. I'll go past it. I'll go up, you know, and get on the kind of the back way. Does it ever work? Never. <laughs> Maybe for some of you guys, it never works for me. The things that matter in life, for the things that really matter, brothers and sisters, there are no shortcuts. There are no shortcuts. And this is where we come to our gospel today. So if you remember last week, it's so important. The gospels, right? A lot of people think the Bible should just be a book that tells us what to do. And some of parts of the Bible do that. But the Bible's a story, and the gospels are a story. And last week, we talked about how we're in the central section of Luke, we're in this section of Luke called The Way. And what's happening is Jesus and his disciples are in Galilee, which is in the north of Israel. And they're walking to Jerusalem where Jesus will be crucified. And they're on the way. And Luke and Mark and Matthew repeat that phrase over and over. It was in our gospel today. They're on the way. And that's what it means to be a Christian. Right, it means to walk with Jesus on the way. And so last week we heard about three people who came to Jesus and they said, Lord, I want to follow you. And Jesus said, this is going to cost you a lot. It was all about the cost of discipleship. If you're going to follow Jesus, and I pray to God that every one of you decides to do that. If, but if you're going to do it, make no mistake, it's going to be hard. It will cost you much more than you expect. And our gospel today follows on that. It's right after that. And now Jesus has these 70 disciples. And we pass through, Luke doesn't tell us a lot about the middle part of this, but what's happened is those disciples have walked with Christ and they've learned. They became a student. They went through discipline. They grew in maturity and wisdom and virtue by walking with Christ. And then, and only then, does Christ send them out today. And today, they get to proclaim the kingdom. Think about that. They got to be messengers of God's salvation. They got to walk ahead of Jesus and say, the kingdom of God is at hand. And to welcome people and say, you too can be a part of that. Last night, they actually have authority to cast out demons. And I was asking the, the congregation last night, I thought, wouldn't it be amazing to like, have that authority to cast out demons? And half of the people looked at me and they're like, no, <laughs> I, want, I want nothing to do with demons, Father Brian. Just keep them away. I think it'd be kind of cool. The guys are like, yeah. <laughs> but they're not given that immediately. They're not given that immediately. Brothers and sisters, if you want freedom, you have to be bound. The only way to Christian maturity 
is to discipline yourself. And not just as a Christian. Of course, it's even all the more so true as a Christian. But just as a human being, you never, ever, ever become something great unless you first pay the price. And it's so worth it. It's so worth it. So today, just a very simple message, but brothers and sisters, the best thing you can possibly do for your country, do you want America to be a place that really is free? Do not be a slave to your own desires, to your own weaknesses, to comfort, materialism, and pleasure. That's not what made America what it is. Freedom comes to a people who discipline themselves. And so Jesus, Lord, today we ask you for authentic freedom. Lord, I want to be free. I want to walk with you. And I know to do that, I have to get behind you. I can't just do the things I want to do. I have to learn from my master. Lord, give us the courage to pay the price, to truly be disciples, to make ourselves free in you. Jesus, that America might truly be a place of freedom, that it might be virtuous, industrious, and that it might love you above all things.